Welcome to the Love Your Truth podcast, where we share stories, moments, and lessons from life's beautiful and heart-wrenching experiences, where we explore our wounds, celebrate our challenges, and find healing in allowing all that life throws at us. Here, you will learn to love every aspect of your truth, accept your past, embrace your present, and create your future, all by loving your truth. I'm your host, Sherry Love, certified professional confidence and empowerment life coach, cognitive behavioral specialist, single mother of five, pianist, ultra runner, and human, who is still learning to love her truth, just like you. Hi, welcome to the Love Your Truth podcast. This is Sherry Love, your host. And today I have Maureen Kafkis. Did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Maureen um, is, is here with us today and Maureen and I met because we were both coaches through the life coach school and um, we have a little coach group that we're members of and Maureen reached out and offered to be a guest. Um, and I graciously accepted her, you know, her offer because what she does is really fascinating to me. And um, I feel like has a lot of crossover with what I do as a coach. And so I was really excited to just, Marina, I'm excited to have you on here and to have you share your wisdom with us. So just to kind of introduce who Marine Marine is, um, she's the host of the Brain BS podcast. So go take a listen to that. Um, the podcasts where thought work, emotional intelligence, human design, and universal law come together to empower humans to master their brain BS subconscious and unconscious programming for success and create a nervous system to support it. That sounds incredible. <laughs> Marina is a doctor of occupational therapy, a certified life coach, and an expert on brain BS. Her mission is to motivate humans to learn how to live consciously and approach life in a collaborative way where we all support one another and raise the vibration of the planet together. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> And, and of course that that's, that's a lot of really incredible, um, just, just ideas to, to raise the consciousness of the entire universe by deprogramming our brains. And that's what we're going to talk about today is taking all of the layers that have been put on us by being a person and living and realizing what's in there and kind of deconstructing that. So tell me more about, I mean, is there any more you want to say about you? I mean, who you are as a person or as a coach and, and introduce this topic that you coach on. Well, hello. Um, <laughs> here. Um, I could talk about this stuff all day long. Love it, but I can also be brief if I need to. So um, that comes from my 20 some years of being in healthcare and getting in and out of rooms with patients who would want to talk, talk, talk. So I'm good at um, redirecting. But uh, so what happened was that I ended up going back to school in my 50s after my dad died. I knew something was really missing. I had everything you could possibly imagine. We have two homes. I get whatever clothes I want. We were going on vacations, doing everything, and something was just missing. And and, and your audience will know who the people are that have that in them. And it can happen before or after divorce, right? It can happen anytime. When you have that feeling or that something's missing inside you and you keep trying to find it outside yourself, it's never going to happen 
because no matter what I did, I got my uh, master's in education. Then I got my doctorate online in occupational therapy, didn't know how to use technology, was terrified of it, learned how to do all of it. And no accomplishment would last. So long story short, I learned that all the answers to everything are to go within to quit asking other people what you should be doing and how to do everything, even in something like becoming an entrepreneur that I'd never done in my entire life. I thought that I had to ask other people how to do it. And it turns out I didn't. All I have to do is go inward and figure out what I'm creating for myself in my brain with my unconscious and subconscious programming. And the thing is, is we have so much unacknowledged trauma in our bodies and all these, all these people, especially women, are walking around minimizing things that have happened to them because we have this tendency to think that just because it's happening to everyone makes it less significant, but it doesn't, right? Oh, I like- definitely experienced that myself for sure. I had I had a moment shortly after my divorce where there was this, you know, massive fear of judgment, and you know, I call it good girl syndrome where I think I've got to be good and I've got to hustle for my worth and I've got to, you know, perform and I've got to do all these things in order to be good enough. And at some point I had this breakthrough moment where I, I felt myself like trying to fit into this box and I realized I made the box. Nobody else did. I made it. (laughs) And that's like exactly what you're talking about. When we realize we're the ones creating this, this, you know, cage that we live inside, then we're the ones that can break out of it. Yeah, but we don't realize that we can do that. Most people, if you haven't done the work, you don't realize that. So you think it's just your life, but it's really that box is also created, not just by us. It's Mm -hmm. from all the conditioning that's bestowed on us in our entire lifetimes in different places. So it happens in school. It happens with your parents at home, but it also happens in the coaching industry after you graduate. Uh huh. What to do and how Mm -hmm. to do it, and they're putting us all in a box. Like we all had to have beautiful videos. We all Mm -hmm. had to start charging more money. We all had to go on consult and overcome the objections. Like all of it, and I'm not not doing any of that now in my business because I was like, something feels really off and feels really bad in my body. Hmm. And that's your subconscious programming and unconscious, right? Hmm. It's our body speaking to us. And when that happens, we know something's really going to rye. So how would you tell someone who's just starting to want to kind of identify these things in themselves? And I talk a lot about identifying things in your body versus your brain and recognizing the difference, like the unconscious and the subconscious. How would you tell somebody how to identify the difference? Between what's happening between, in their mind. between like what's happening in your mind, these these natural pathways that are going through your mind that have been conditioned that, that you've created just from being in you know in your life versus yeah. versus you know what's deep in you, what's you know the, creating that power within you. How do you I start? Think, do you start? I, so I think what I would say to that is it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter where it starts. And we learned at the life coach school, is your audience familiar with the model? Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. So thoughts create feelings that leads to an action and gives you your results. Yes. But what I do instead, I identify a primary state of mind. 
So I have them do a brain drain, write down all the thoughts that are going on. And by each one, I have them put one word for what emotion they're feeling. But mm -hmm. we don't go into the actions and what it recreates because I don't think it even matters at that point. I think what matters is what are those uncomfortable emotions causing you to do or not do? So I created this thing called fear factor. So F is the feeling. And then E is evaluating it, how it feels in your body. And then A is assessing how is it impacting your, your, what you're trying to achieve? Is it taking you away from it or is it taking you towards it? And then really understanding that whenever we have an uncomfortable emotion, it's literally our body telling us we're not aligned. Nothing, it's not bad. It's actually a good thing. So when you can reframe it, which is what the R stands for and find the gift in it, for instance, when I graduated from the life coach school, started making money right off the bat and got freaked out and really nervous. A couple people started to complain about different things. And I realized I did not have the nervous system for success. I was I was panicking and law of attraction and universal law. Mm -hmm. Like it's yeah. so well for me if I keep going. Mm -hmm. So I went inward and I realized that the gift for me, like I kept thinking I needed clients. And I needed money. Mm -hmm. I needed both those. And I wasn't getting it. And I was making it a problem. And the universe was just looking out for me. And this, so the message became, um, you, you have some work to do on your belief in yourself before you're going to get money and clients. So we're yes. not giving because you can't handle it. That is something that I've talked about in the past and past episodes and just kind of in my practice that the universe is constantly offering us things. And it's our belief in ourselves that helps us to notice was already there in front of us. And we just reach out and grab it. And it's even a concept that I'm still working on within myself, you know, that, that belief factor that I, that it's possible for me to just reach out and grab what I want. And of course there's some action, there's some work that has to go into that. But I think the work is really kind of what you're talking about is that creating that belief. So, so when you talk about going from just this unconscious like state of like almost kind of like the zombie mode, you know, like this unconscious, everything is happening just automatically. Um, how do you, how do you get somebody who is in that space to consciously like decide, Oh, I need help with this. And I, and I, I want to hire Maureen to help me. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's, so what's your message? I'm, I'm kind of doing it. Um, I'm not your typical coach, to be honest with you. I don't do things the way anybody else does. And since I have an academic background, um, well, I don't really have an academic background, but I got a master's in education, but I hated the sixth grade class that I did student teaching on. So I went back to OT, but I have this whole teacher mentality. Mm -hmm. And I also had this real nurturing thing about me. So I'm creating courses. And the way I market the courses and sell them is by simply telling my story of transformation. And then when people hear that my mind used to be full of brain BS, that I questioned everything about myself, that I worried more about what other people thought of me than I did myself, that I compared and despaired on a regular basis, had fear of missing out, never thought anything was good enough. I mean, this was going on in my mind for decades right? When you yeah. let people know that and you're telling them that you have that and they're like, oh my God, somebody else has that too. Like, it's not just me. Then you give them permission to be a little bit more open and honest about it. Right. And I'm kind of like a slow burn kind of person because the work I do, I'm not going to talk somebody into doing it. 
They're either ready to do it or they're not. And I can hold space for them because I just started doing this and I love it and I'm not going anywhere. So it could take years for some people to come to me. A couple of years it's been for some. Some mm -hmm. are ready the second that they meet me and they're ready to dive in. And it's just, you just start talking and it just happens. And the That's person good. wants to do it. Yeah. So, so this is really kind of, it may maybe kind of confirming what you're already talking about that you're just sending this out to the universe. This is, I'm just, I'm just being here and attracting in the type of people that are going to need me. Well, I wouldn't say I'm just being here mm. because I've been coaching people in groups for free for years now, supporting them, going on their um, podcast, um, having them online, letting them promote their businesses and whatever it is that they're working on. I help um, struggling coaches to feel better pretty much on a daily basis because my heart really goes out to them. And that's the first course I created is for the struggling coach because they think that they have to do things the way that they've been told and they don't. I've been, oh, I've been there. I'm probably still in that space of just like oh, yeah. trying to hustle and trying to like um, my brain is offering me a lot of like, well, I don't know how kind of and like imposter syndrome and I'm not making $300,000. And so, so what, you know, don't what, even what get me started on the money thing. The money <laughs> thing. I don't know if you see my post on that, but the whole <laughs> goal is a bunch of BS. Yeah. Almost none of the coaches are making that mm -hmm. very few people that are making more than that. And there's not that many that are making that. I looked up the average salary because I did a podcast episode on this and the average salary is like between 40 and 60. Mm. So it's planting seeds and, and putting expectations into people's minds and it wreaks havoc on them and it, it triggers unacknowledged trauma in the body of when you yes. have to do things that doesn't feel comfortable and it doesn't feel right. That's, it's really interesting that you mentioned that, you know, specifically like financial trauma as a single mom, as a divorced person, that has definitely been something that's come up, um, as a coach and trying to build a business and trying to create income for my family. And then there's this expectation and this, this kind of image that is created where I think I'm failing because I'm not performing the way I, it, it sounds like I should be after graduating. Exactly. And, and, and with divorce too, mm -hmm. like you're supposed to, or even with marriage, yeah. my marriage should be better than it is. My marriage isn't supposed to be like this. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to end up divorced. And it's like, no, you are. Cause there's like half the country's divorced. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of those shoulds in our brains about a lot of things. I shouldn't have gotten divorced or I should have gotten married or I should be healed more than I am. I shouldn't be getting triggered anymore. I shouldn't, I shouldn't look in the mirror and not like my body. I should, you know, I, all these things, I should exercise more. I should eat better. I, you know, there's so many shoulds that we put on ourselves and it's all kind of talking about what you're talking about that, you know, external programming that we have from society, from our experiences, from the people that we know that are that are kind of programming these thoughts and it's not necessarily um, overt. It's not necessarily like somebody saying you should eat more or you should eat less or whatever. It's the way our brains are interpreting the circumstance. Oh yeah. There's like, can it, we're, we're led to believe that we all have to be the same. Mm -hmm. We're not supposed to be original and be different. 
But in this, in any area of your life, it's so much more fun to be authentic mm-hmm. and original, but only if you have a nervous system that can support it. Because yes. if you don't, then you're really putting yourself out there and it causes like a Deb Dana and her book Anchored calls it a nervous system dysregulation. So yeah. literally that's what happens when you look in the mirror and you get that sick feeling in your stomach because you don't like what you see. That's a nervous system dysregulation. Yeah. That's from looking in the mirror. Think about how many times a day we're doing this to ourselves over and over because we don't know any better. And we're trying to squash down all these uncomfortable feelings because we don't know how to deal with them. And we're trying to pretend like they're not there and to take all the actions that everyone's telling us to do. And if we just take the actions, everything's going to be fine. And it's not. If I change my circumstance, if I do X, Y, Z, then I'm going to feel differently. And I think also to speak on that nervous system dysregulation, I think what our brains do is it gets used to a heightened nervous system and that can become the normal. And so um, as, especially as we've gone through, you know, the healing process So I've, is, excuse me, as I've gone through the healing process and learn how to regulate my nervous system and learn how to, you know, have compassion for that part of me that has been through, you know, micro traumas and major traumas that, that has dysregulated me when I do feel regulated, my brain doesn't want to trust it. My brain wants to be like, what's happening. <laughs> this is not normal. And so uh, is that something that you can, you approach in your coaching where you have somebody who's used, so used to being dysregulated that now that they're starting to feel better and they're starting to get more conscious of, of what's going on and that feels uncomfortable. How do you, how do you help people move through that? Well, so along with the fear factor, <clears throat> after they figure out the emotions that cause them the most discomfort, I teach them how to release their emotions so there's all kinds of different ways that you can do that and the way i do it it's not conventional like one of the best ways for me to release my emotions is by watching the voice the reality television so because they go on there they have to be so brave they have to have so much courage they get up in front of all those people and expose themselves and they're so vulnerable their families are all there crying and loving them and i'm like bawling so I literally make it a practice I record it and I make it part of my practice to watch the voice I feel amazing after it because I let go of all these emotions and then I meditate I do raw I do breath work I do reiki I do all I do all of it I love it and I and I find people who are affordable that don't cost a lot of money and I actually talk about it throughout the whole Um, past month, I've talked about it on the podcast. So your audience can check out all the different things that are available that can help you with releasing your emotions and, and reprogramming them. And then the other part is you have to hold space for people. So some people, I had one client, it took really two years, two years for her to really get through what Heather Platt calls in her book, the art of holding space. Mm -hmm. It's called the liminal space. From where you are when you begin to where you're going to be, some people can spend their lifetime in that liminal space. Mm -hmm. So you just really have to, like, I want to nurture people. I want to let them know that they're not as different um, as they think, that everybody goes through the same emotions. And I I don't rush people. I used to get a little impatient 
um, because I want that for them. I want them to be getting better. Um, but I've come to realize that everybody goes at their own pace and everybody's nervous system is different. And if you push people, their nervous system cannot handle it. Yeah. Well, and I think the whole art of holding space is really just being able to sit with someone and let them be where they are without trying to move them out of where they are. Because if you try to push somebody whose nervous system is dysregulated and just say, oh, you should just feel better, just calm down. <laughs> How does that work? Right. Um, I mean, if you've ever been emotional or about anything and somebody tells you to calm down, what's your reaction? like heightens it it makes it blow up and so I think I think that's something really powerful because what that does is it shows compassion and it helps people realize oh I'm okay I'm okay and I can and it's okay for me to feel it's okay for me to have this emotion I don't need to move myself out of it faster than I need to and it's like giving permission guess why guess why coaches want to move people out of it because it makes them look better. And yeah, 100%. Them, right. Yes. So it's yeah. like, that's why the coaching relationship, that's another thing I'm working on is making it more transparent. When you're trying to get a coach, I'm educating people. I did a top 10 list of questions you should ask when you're hiring a coach so that you can't be manipulated into doing anything that you can't do. So you have your budget in mind when you go in the call. So everything is about educating, just being educated, making coaching more transparent. Not, I have no issue with coaches making a lot of money, but go after the people with a lot of money then. Don't get these people who know your target audience. They're hard because they can't, you know, you would, in a car place, you wouldn't go, never go into a really expensive car place. And the person's going to sit there for 45 minutes trying to talk you there's no way you're going to do that so there's just like a lot of um a lot of things that happen with coaches and I'm not not all coaches I love coaching and but the industry does have to be cleaned up there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people looking out for themselves and they're not enough in service and it's making it's making things wonky and coaches are getting a bad rap well and I think I think it's just again like it's it's a programming kind of thing too you know like there's a perception of coaching out there that might not be, well, first of all, it's not consistent because not all coaches are just in it for the money, but it is a business and we are providing a service that's valuable and we deserve to, and I I don't like using the word deserve, but it's, it's important that we charge for our services because what we're doing is important. And yes, we are providing a service. You don't, you don't go to the grocery store and expect to get, your groceries for free, you know, just because you well, know, unless you're you know on food or whatever, you know, <laughs> if you're on food stamps, you do. Yeah. Well, right? that's all I'm talking about. Like, yeah, we should get paid for coaching, mm-hmm. but there are coaches out there that do do it for free. So why not? I'm making it more. I want to make coaching more accessible to more people. So their emotional and mental health needs are met, but it's really more being a matchmaker. It's not, like I said, I have no problem about making money. I want to make money too. Of course. It's about getting people like what they need and being, um, there's more than enough to go around. There's so many coaches and there's so many people that need it. And there's just like, there's no reason why everybody can't get it. And if you want like the fancy coach and you want to spend 10, 15,000, go for it. That's awesome. Especially if you want to spend it. 
and they have it for you and they're going to deliver, right? They're actually going to deliver what they say. I think that's awesome. But I also love the coach that doesn't care about money because that's not my primary motivation. I'm not, I'm in a situation where it doesn't have to be because that's my role here on the planet, right? Somebody else who needs money isn't going to be doing what I'm doing, but we all have a role and it's all a curriculum mm-hmm. and we're here to support one another and help people to live consciously. It's beautiful. I actually have been um, a recipient of that. I had a coach who um, I found through LCS, through a, a channel of coaches, like a, a group. And we ended up coaching one-on-one and she knew my situation. You know, she knew my circumstance. I paid for a couple of sessions and then she basically um, offered me free coaching because she knew that I was in a situation where I, I, I wanted to be able to afford to pay for, for it and continue coaching. And I was in a situation where I couldn't. And so she offered me free coaching and, and it was very beneficial because it, that generosity really helped me open up to, to allowing myself to have, to meet a need that I had as, as needing a coach. And, yeah. and I, and it does, it makes you want to pay it forward as a coach. And I also want to provide a service for, you know, there, there might be people out there who, who need coaching and who need it for free. And there also might be people out there who have the capability of paying for it and it's valuable. And I think it's just a matter of finding that balance of recognizing where, you know, where you can charge for it and where not to. Well, you just have to go within. Mm-hmm. As always, the answer is always within. You know when you're doing it because you can't handle um, receiving because you can feel it in your body. But if you do it from a conscious place and you're doing it with intention and you know why you're doing it, it feels amazing. Mm-hmm. It feels totally different. So if you're ever wondering if it's your mind or body or whatever you should do, just always go inward because you will be able to tell by the way you feel if what you're doing is correct. And that that woman was in a position where she was able to do that for you. And that's amazing because then you could continue and get help and have a ripple effect on other people. But mm-hmm. again, I just want to be really clear. I have no problem with people charging money. I don't even care how much they charge. I mean, there are some coaches that charge 25, 50. If there's people that want to buy it, more power to them. I'm not judging them for how much they're charging. I'm judging for the lack of transparency and some of the some of the um, issues that come up when people are looking out for themselves. I mean, honestly, it's the same thing as in a marriage too. If you want to talk about divorce, it's like everybody has their own agenda in a relationship. Uh, a healthy relationship is, should be open and transparent. Yes. Well, after divorce, there's no, like I'm married to someone before. So the, the lack of transparency that with, we had kids, you know, that we were dealing with, don't tell your mom this or the mom's telling, don't tell dad that. And like all the secrecy, and all the the stuff that goes with it. I mean, it's just a saying. It's just a general good rule to be open and transparent. A hundred percent. I I agree with the transparency part. I also think that, I mean, if we're talking about just like human relationships in general, and um, you know, there are certain pieces of information that not everybody gets to have access to. And this is coming from someone who was betrayed in my marriage. So transparency and communication is huge. Honesty is huge for me. It's a huge thing. And it's something that's a big boundary of mine. 
But I've also come to realize when I was first divorced, I would, there was a lot of oversharing happening for on my part, because it was a need that I need, I had to, to know what was going on. It was, it was definitely a trauma response. I needed to know what was going on. So what I did was I would share everything with everyone because I, I'm controlling the situation. I also recognized in retrospect that that was, that was a trauma response in my brain, trying to so hard to be understood. And, and what I've recognized now is that you can have honesty, transparency and communication and also protect information that isn't, doesn't belong to everyone. Oh, for sure. And you should, especially in a divorce situation and also with a client, like as a coach with the client, you're not going to tell if you have a new client that comes to you, that's still really raw from their divorce, you're going to hold back on the things that you say until her nervous system can support. Right. Well, and it's, it's interesting to notice. And, you know, I've, I've mentioned this in the past that when, when your brain is in a certain place, and I use this example because it's really easy. I used to be a personal trainer. I used to be a fitness trainer and I'd have clients come in with the idea. I'll be happy when my body looks like this, or my, I'll be happy when, when I weigh, you know, this amount, this many pounds and, or when I lose this much weight and, um, and to, to try to kind of work on the mindset of someone who's trying to get fitter and, and trying to get more healthy and to tell them, go look in the mirror and say, I love my body. And they look at me like, no, <laughs> because, because what you're trying, you're trying to move them out of this space of hatred, hatred for their body and trying to move them into a space of loving their body. There's a lot of space in between, you know, and, and trying to convince the brain that. I love my body, you know, and that's one, that's one reason why I actually don't practice, um, mantras or positive mindset. Like, you know, uh, what's the word. And I can't even think of the word for it, you know, like the positive affirmations because the brain isn't, doesn't believe it <laughs> until you, you have to work your way up to the neutral place first. Um, and so, and so if I'm, if I have a client who's just barely out of divorce and I, and I, say something like you need to have compassion for your ex-husband they're going to be like um and you're going to get over your ex-husband and you're going to actually love yourself more than than him you know and and of course they're in a space where they're not going to believe that because they're not there yet and so it does it's a process and it takes it takes time to just allow yourself to be where you are and i think that's what you're talking about earlier about um holding space and just and and taking time and investing in not only investing in your clients, but like teaching your clients to invest in themselves and giving that, holding that space for yourself. So I'm, I'm something, that's something that I teach in my coaching practices, you know, turning that inward, turning that compassion and that hope that space holding inward towards yourself, whether that be your inner child, whether that be, you know, like the teenager, I call her my belligerent teenager that lives in my brain. (laughs) that wants to argue with my intuition and wants to argue with that, that, that sensation in my body. But, um, but that space holding that you're talking about that you do for your clients, I think, I think it's important to teach. So I'm, I'm curious if that's something that, that you do as well in, in your practice and how do you approach that? Well, yeah, I do a lot because, so you talked about the inner child and teen. So um, one of my favorite books and I talk about it all the time is um, by Terrence real it's called us. And it's actually probably great for your audience because it's about relationships. It's about marriage. But what I love about it is you can leave your partner 
but that doesn't mean you're leaving all your problems, right? Not that your partner doesn't have things, but inside you, you have this thing, like when you're little, it's called your maladaptive child self. It's like the kid who wanted the bottle and didn't get it. Mm -hmm. And the, the emotions, you know, left over from that. Then you have like this teen version of you that is the adaptive child self. That's the part of you that thinks they're being adult-like and thinks they're being mature. And that's your, that's your like um, approach to life when you get triggered. Yes. So we all have it, right? Mm -hmm. um, for me, I just shut down. First, I get mad and try to make my point. And if my husband doesn't listen, I just shut down. It's like a steel wall comes mm -hmm. down. So that's my adaptive child self. Hmm. Well, his adaptive child self is like an obstinate two-year-old. So when we're both in it, I can watch it now. Like I can actually see it. Yeah. So I hold space because he's not going to appreciate it if I say, oh, your adaptive child self's here right now and you look right. like an idiot, you know? Well, so and it's interesting because you can, you can recognize it in yourself, but you start to recognize it in other people too. And that's where it gets it can get a little tricky because yeah, it's not going to be very well received if you say like you're acting like a child or your inner child is here, you know, but, but if you're holding space, I know that, um, something that I've had coaches do for me and I've, I've adopted and, and passed on to my clients is when, when there is a state of dysregulation, I ask the question, who's here, which part of me is here and what do you need for me? And are you throwing a tantrum? what do you actually need by throwing this tantrum? Like what, what are you asking for? And what part of me do you need to show up for? You know? And, and I think that's a really powerful tool to just holding like that space holding. And, and I think if we're able, capable of doing that for ourselves, then we learn how to do that for other people. Yeah. And I think the more that we are open and honest and uh, about our imperfections and our own adaptive child self, the mm -hmm. more it gives other people um, permission, to be, permission to be. And also just creating that safe environment where they can totally trust you. So I always am checking in, making sure that they're doing okay. My intuition kind of nudges me when I should. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm very close relationship with my intuition these days so I rely on it heavily for everything because I've had opportunities that were with big names going on um podcasts that I initiated and stuff like that and then I'm like mm, it's not a it's not a good fit and I don't I don't need the big names anymore to be successful I'm actually going to be successful by taking care of the the no names mm -hmm. the small names little people I've always been like that my whole life any job that I had, I always took care of the new people who came in. Hmm. It's always like have this nurturing, um, probably because I grew up in a family of 12. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, and I honestly never thought like I really belonged hmm. because of my brain BS. So I, I'm very, I can be very aware when someone else is um, in a new situation and uncomfortable so yeah, I, everything lends to me being able to really identify with what my clients need. Yeah, there's definitely a sense of belonging that is a really powerful part of humanness um, that that could be our brain BS, but could also be just our human nature. So would you like that, like not feeling like you belong might've been your brain BS, but we like, we naturally want to belong. We want to find a tribe. We want to feel like, we have people in our corner, we have a support system, um, oh, that, yeah. you know, and, and so, and it's something that I've, I've dealt with 
as well. I grew up in a high demand religion. I left that religion and I, you know, I, I don't practice it anymore. And that sense of belonging was part of what kept me there for a long time. But I also recognized that I, you know, speaking of building that relationship with your intuition, that I had to quiet some things in my mind and my body in order to belong. You know, I had to almost kind of like quiet my truth in order to follow what I was supposed to be doing. And, and so I also, I also, something that came up is when you, when you talk about you helping the little guy, you're helping the new guy because you want them to feel like they belong. It's almost like you're holding space for that part of you that didn't feel like she belonged by doing that. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my whole life I've been doing it. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. And, and, but I want to make a distinction too. We are here. We are wired to be connected which is why I'm creating a community for the coach and the non-coach because community and the collective is so much more powerful than anything that you can do individually. But there's a difference between wanting to belong and needing to belong because you don't think you're good enough. And really all that is, is a disconnection with yourself. And I was totally disconnected from myself for a long time. But as soon as you get connected to yourself, you belong anywhere you go. Yes. I love that. Right. Yeah. That's powerful. I think that's probably the quote of the day. (laughs) As long as you're connected to yourself, you belong everywhere. That is, that is probably one of the most important messages that I have ever gained in my whole healing process of is just being okay with in my own skin, being okay with the person that lives inside this body, you know, and and, you know, the, and the soul that lives in this body and just being okay with myself. And that, that's a powerful thing to want to pay forward. It's beautiful. Yeah. And then there's so many other, there's so many ways of measuring success in your life. Um, other than the standard ones that people give you, whether you're married or not, how much money you make or not, how many clients you have in your business, you can create all your own metrics. In fact, I actually have, um, a sheet I can put a link for in the show notes and give your audience a little gift. On, oh. um, yeah, actually, I just came up with that idea and I'm going to start doing that when I go on podcast. That's great. That's great. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Send it to me. I'll add so it. For real sure. for metrics of success that aren't um, the standard. I love that because it's true. I think, um, you know, I used to be a piano teacher and people would ask me, how many students do you have? And it always made me a little uncomfortable, like talking about recognizing that kind of dis, you know, disconnecting your body, um, feeling like at, if I answer like too many, then I'm showboating. And if I answer not enough, then I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not a good teacher if I don't have X amount of students. And I, and I've always wondered like, why, why do people want to know that, <laughs> you know? And, and I kind of almost wish I had that metric system of like, you know, I, this is how many students I have. It doesn't mean anything. I have as many as I want to have. <laughs> well, right. I mean, it's about caring more about what somebody else thinks about you than right. what you think about yourself. So <laughs> I have been so transparent with my whole entrepreneur journey. I didn't even make any money for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then I'm talking and I'm going all over the place and feeling like a complete expert on brain BS. And like, I can hold my myself in any room and feel like I can totally stand my ground. And also I've made $1,200 this year, but I just started selling my course last month. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it doesn't, it's not about money. 
And the way I'm going to bring in the money, law of attraction dictates that it's going to come in when I'm feeling abundant. It's not going to come in if I'm in scarcity and I feel like I really need it. Just like with divorce, if somebody's looking for someone after they've been married, if they're desperately needing someone to validate them to feel better, mm -hmm. you're not going to get the kind of person to come in that you want because yeah. the vibration is not even possible. There'll be a different frequency. Yeah, for sure. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah. I just brought it up Maybe since after divorce. you work with divorced people. <laughs> well, Maureen, thank you so much for being a guest. I really appreciate your time and your wisdom and for everything that you shared. And um, for everybody listening, you can find Maureen. I'm going to um, link her podcast and her website and you know her social media and all her links in the show notes that you can find her and Maureen thank you yeah thanks for having me it was fun I always like talking about brain bs <laughs> okay right. I'm gonna stop recording are you ready to love all that you are embrace all the parts of you and shine your light and create a powerful life that you love? Join me in my coaching program where I help my clients find their power within, grow from their challenges, and love and embody their true authentic selves. You can find me at sherrylovecoaching.com and on all major social media platforms. Mm -hmm.